Well, good morning, Axis Church. How's everybody doing today? Glad to see you all. Uh, it is a uh, winter has now, I think, arrived, or at least late fall or early fall. I don't know, but uh, it's a good time of year, and uh, glad to see you guys. Do you know, we uh, started a new series last week called Legacy, Living a Life That Outlives You, and many people in life never think about their legacy. They never think about the long term. They only think about the here and now. They think about becoming homecoming queen or king. Uh, they think about how many likes they have on Instagram. They think about graduating number one in their class or just graduating for their class. They think about working to get that promotion. They think about getting their kids to school on time. They think about what vacation to take. And those things aren't bad, but many people live their life with, without thinking about the long term. What, what is my legacy like? And, and what am I going to be like in my life to lead that legacy? And, and that's why we try to raise our vision here during this series to something beyond just the here and now. Now, every November, we do uh, what's called Stewardship Month here at Axis, and it's when we direct our attention toward giving back to the Lord. And that has always been an aspect of uh, our church rhythm here at Axis Church. And we do that for a couple reasons. One, because it's really easy to forget. It, it, we get so focused on the day-to-day, -day, we often forget God's principles on giving and receiving, and we need to be reminded how important that is. But the second thing that we do often in these stewardship months is we take our eyes from the here and now, and just like this series, we look beyond that. And we say, how are we living with our time and our talents and our treasure in a way that makes a difference far beyond us? And, and so we think about things in terms of the long haul, not just the right now. And November is such a good time to do that because uh, November is a month of gratitude and thanksgiving. And then in the month of December, we talk about giving and receiving, and we talk about the greatest gift of all, of course, Jesus Christ coming into the world. And then January, we think about uh, new commitments and making new uh, commitments in our life. And so because of that, these three months, November, December, January, are always such good months to kind of recalibrate and rethink about our commitments. It is just such a healthy, healthy rhythm for all of us. Now, we are starting this series last week, I guess, and we're talking about legacy and learning to live a legacy. And here's what I want you to know right from the beginning, and that is you are the legacy that you leave. You. Not, not what you did with your life, not the kind of the decisions or maybe the, 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 the kind of things that you did in your career. Those are all byproducts, but, but you are the legacy that you leave. And you have to determine whether or not that legacy is going to be a positive or a negative legacy. What will be the legacy on your sons, your daughters, your nephew, your nieces, uh, other family members or friends or those that you are encountering at work? What will be your legacy in your life? And when people start thinking about legacy, often they, they think about the end of something. You get to the end of high school and you think, I wonder what people will remember me for. Or you get to the end of your career and say, I wonder what I'll be remembered for. I wonder if I made a difference here in my career. But I don't want us just to think about the end of high school or the end of college or our career. I want us to think about the end of our life and then work backwards. At the end of the day, what you're really going to be known for uh, is how did you live your life and what kind of legacy did you leave? And, and I mean, when we get to your funeral, what's going to be said about you? Uh, he's a pretty good guy. I, I was a nice neighbor. I borrowed his lawnmower a couple times. 
yeah, she was nice. Uh, I think she's in a book club. That was awesome, and uh, I appreciated that. Is that really what our legacy is? Are you good with that? Because you're made for so much more. Those are subsets of your legacy, but what is your legacy, and how do you leave a legacy? Because, friends, what you're made for is to leave a legacy so that the name of Jesus Christ is actually on people's lips when they see you. So that really when they smell you, they smell the aroma of Christ. They get this sense that you are living your life on purpose, that you're living your life in a way that is far beyond yourself. And when you think about the end in mind, it sobers us. Think, man, what kind of life am I living? What kind of legacy am I leaving? Now, when I plan this series, I ask myself, where is a place in Scripture where uh, there is a relationship or a Scripture or a place where one person is pouring into another person in, in terms of legacy? And really, I saw several, but today I'm going to talk about two specific conversations in the Bible where one individual is passing on some advice or some guidance about this issue of legacy. And really, this message is going to be in two parts. Part one is a relationship between the Apostle Paul and a young protege of his named Timothy. And part two is going to be an encounter that Jesus had after his resurrection with the Apostle Peter. And so part one, Paul, toward the end of his life, kind of in the 60s AD or so, wrote two letters uh, to a guy named Timothy. He wrote one letter and then he wrote a second letter. And in the Bible, we call those First and Second Timothy. I know, I know, it's, it's right there. It's shocking, but that's how they do it. And it really helps me because I'm in the remedial class. So First and Second Timothy are two letters written from Paul to Timothy on how the church is supposed to function, but also how Timothy is supposed to live his life. So Paul's at the end of his life, and he's writing Timothy. And when you get to that second letter, he really is toward the end of his life. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And by the way, this scripture means a lot to me because when my uncle, my dad's twin brother, uh, said to my grandfather on his 90th birthday, Dad, could you quote some scripture for us? My grandfather on his 90th birthday quoted this passage of scripture. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Here Paul is at the end of his life writing to Timothy and saying, I have finished my race and now I want to talk about your race. And when you see that in the letter, you have to look through the lens of both the author and the one receiving it. Because when you think about the author, you think about Paul and all he's been through. And you think about the emotion as he's writing to his protege, Timothy, and he's pouring out these words, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And then you have to imagine what it was like to be Timothy to receive these words. I mean, this is your mentor. This is somebody that you love who is writing you that, you, that, they are, that, that, that he is at the end of his life. So when you read First and Second Timothy, read with that in mind and read with that idea that Paul is telling Timothy, this is how to leave a legacy and to live a life that will outlive you. And I can just imagine that moment. What is he trying to communicate to Timothy? Look at Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says, Timothy, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and suffering that I endured. Uh, when those things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, 
the persecutions I endured. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, I can see in my mind's eye, Paul writing these words to Timothy, simply saying, listen, Timothy, you know all about my life. But listen to what he tells him. You know about my purpose, my character, my endurance, my love. What he talked about was not what he did, but who he was. You are the legacy that you leave. And I could see as Paul is writing this letter, he's imprisoned in Rome. And, and Nero is a Roman ruler that is now attacking the church, killing Christians. And Paul is writing these words and Timothy is receiving these words. And Paul encourages Timothy Timothy, I want you to think about your legacy. And by the way, these words in First and Second Timothy really mean something to me because I think I've told you before that at my ordination service back in 1992, my mom read passages only from First and Second Timothy. Passages like, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. Scriptures like, preach the word in season and out of season, uh, scriptures like, uh, don't be timid, uh, but be self-controlled, these kind of scriptures. And so my mom read these passages from the stage at my ordination, and they were really words of legacy. They were really, we've lived this legacy, now we want you to live this legacy. Now, all of that was introduction to the message today. I don't preach long sermons, I just have really long introductions. And so that was a really long introduction to do what we call setting up the rigging for the rest of the series. Last week, Mark talked about living a life with honor, showing respect to those who lead you, and especially sharing Christ with people that you work with or that are in your family, etc. And today, we're talking about living a life with contentment, that if you are going to leave a legacy, you have to be content. And so Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and here's what he says. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul writes, Timothy, if you want to leave and live a life that outlives you, then you have to learn to be content. Watch this video. So my whole life, I've been an achiever. And I don't really know uh, exactly why, but somewhere along the line, I picked up on this message. I, I bought into this, this message, I guess maybe from my culture, that if you achieve certain things, then life will be good. And so I honestly had this sense that I had to do something of value in order to be someone of value. It just seems like if you ever think that purpose is a destination, you're gonna end up with a midlife crisis because you never get there. At least it's been my experience, and, and I've seen other people go through that, that that lifestyle is just exhausting. It's just exhausting. 
and you just work and you work and you work and you work and you work and your whole joy is wrapped up in what others say about you. The Bible says a lot about um, purpose and and a lot of that is found in, in Jesus and in a relationship with God. You know, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. For me, that's my purpose, but I can't just do that on my own. Like I have to be connected to the source. Like Jesus talks about, he uses the analogy of, of a vine and branches and he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you are a branch broken off from the vine, if you're broken off from the source, you wither away. You have to be connected. And for me, my purpose is found in that connection. My purpose is, is in this very moment, being connected to the source, to the source of life. Because if I try to go off and achieve, to fill up my little you know, insecurities, in some wonderful accolades or some wonderful compliments that I get from somebody. I mean, that, that's, that's stupid. That's a waste of time. But if I can stay connected to the source of life and just make myself available to be used, to, the scriptures say, to, to be streams of living water flowing through me, that's beautiful. Like, that's, that's my purpose. So much wisdom there. Uh, she felt that in order to uh, be somebody, she had to achieve something. Uh, and that ultimately her conclusion was that her desire or the way to be content in this world is to stay connected to the one who gives life. I told you there were two conversations we're going to talk about today. The first one was Paul and Timothy, and we're going to focus on that one over the next couple of weeks again. But I want to take you to another moment that is with the one who is the author of life, and that is Jesus Christ himself, who has a conversation with the Apostle Peter. And the setting of this conversation is in the, in the days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so he had suffered, and Peter his apostle had been with him and then had actually denied Jesus. And while Jesus was being arrested, Peter said, I don't even know him as Jesus is suffering. And so here Peter is, he feels like a failure. He feels like he's let Jesus down, feels like his legacy is over. There's no hope for him at all. And now Jesus encounters these guys again, and it's after the resurrection. And now the guys go back to fishing because they don't know what else to do. And so here Peter is back in the water on the boat, and he's fishing. And I don't know if you guys have ever recognized this, but it just looks like everyone who's a fisherman in the Bible, they're not very good at it. It seems like when we encounter them, they're like, well, I've caught nothing. We fished all night. And then Jesus says, throw your net out on the other side of the boat. And they do that. Peter then recognizes that it's Jesus. He jumps out of the boat, and he swims to the shore. And they have this great moment that we've talked about before where Jesus said, it's not over for you, Peter. If you love me, feed my sheep. Peter said, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. In other words, I'm still going to use you. You're, I know you messed up, but it's okay. And I love you and I want you to serve me. And so it's in that context. That is the moment where now Peter and Jesus have this conversation. 
about legacy. Jesus is at the end of his ministry here on this earth. He's about to ascend back to the Father. And now he is talking to Peter. Peter who's blown it. Peter who's a failure. Peter who denied Jesus. And now he's saying, listen, Peter, I have a message for you. And he pulls him aside. And you're going to think that this is maybe a, a, bit of, a bit of a stretch or a bit of a challenge when you think about contentment. But I think you'll see by the end of this conversation, you'll understand what it has to do with uh, contentment and how, how important it is for us. And so Peter, Jesus calls Peter aside and he says, listen, one day there are going to be some men that take you to a place you don't want to go. And they're going to stretch your arms out. And the Bible says that Jesus told Peter this because he was telling him how he was going to die, that, that Peter was going to die by crucifixion. And that's where we pick up the conversation. I want you to look in John chapter 21, verse 20, where it says, right after the moment where Jesus said, feed my sheep, I love you, do you love me? You're still going to be used, but listen, you're going to die in service to me. In that moment, here's what Peter says. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, which I always love that because the disciple whom Jesus loved was John. John was writing this letter about himself. I just think it's a little bit, you know, like, hey, John's a little bit, you know, kind of, hey, I'm, uh, if I'm going to write it, I'm going to say Jesus loves me. This I know, right? So he writes it. This is the disciple that Jesus loved. And this is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper. And he said, Lord, who is going to betray this? Who's going to betray you? Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple, John, would not die. But Jesus did not say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? Now, out of that little story, I'm going to pull just these principles about contentment. And here's the first one. It is this issue of comparison. You remember what just happened here. Peter, Jesus says, you're going to die. And Peter immediately goes, yeah, but what about him? Instead of saying, Lord, I just want to be faithful to you. Lord, I love you. God, I need to serve you. God, I want to follow you. God, give me strength because if I have to die, I need your presence with me. No, he just says, um, okay, well, what about that guy? Because if I'm going to die, what's going to happen to him? Wait a second. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, listen, you remember me, don't you, Peter? When everybody, when the storm came and everybody else was afraid and you said, come out on the water, you walked on the water toward us and you said, who's going to come out? And I said, Lord, I want to come follow you. And I'm the guy, got out of the boat, walked on water. You remember that, right? Where was John? John was afraid in the boat, sucking his thumb, drinking warm milk, crying for his mommy. You remember John, the one you love? That's him. And yet I was walking on the water. You remember that, right? And you remember the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus? Don't you remember that? Because I'm Peter, and at the Garden of Gethsemane, when all those soldiers came to take you, they were going to capture you. You remember what I did, right? I cut that dude's ear off. I cut it straight off his head. Was that John? No. Where was he? Where was John? Running for his mommy again, getting his milk. I cut off the dude's ear. John, that's that guy. Here's what I'm saying, Jesus. In comparison to me, what's going to happen to John? And let's apply this to us for a minute. Because one, I think the greatest contentment killer is comparison. Because you always think, well, what about that person? Why was that person healed and I'm not? 
Why did they get that promotion and I didn't? Why did they get that job and I didn't? Why did that church get that thing and we didn't? Why do I have to suffer and then they didn't? And we always think in terms of what happened to them versus when Jesus just said to Peter, Peter, follow me, follow me. The second thing that I see here is what we call misplaced expectations. It's a really a close cousin to comparison because I want to take you back to verse 21 of John 21. It says, Peter saw John and he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Here's the thing. I have no idea exactly uh, what story Peter had told himself, but obviously he had some misplaced expectation that all the disciples would be treated the same that all of them would receive both the same benefits as well as the same negatives, that all of them would have the same stuff happen to them. Jesus never promised that. And so Peter is kind of beside himself saying, wait a minute, I have to die? Why doesn't he have to die? And Peter's assuming that he's going to deal with all of the disciples in the same way. Misplaced expectations. In other words, I've built up an expectation either about myself or about God and if God doesn't come through on that for me, then I'm disappointed in God or I'm disappointed in the treatment that I've been receiving. You know, so many people do that. You, did you know our world is hyper-stimulated right now? Um, and everybody's thinking about things all the time. And it's always, I mean, you're at dinner time with your family and your phone buzzes. And you're like, oh, I got a text message. Hey, this is great. Or, or hey, I left a post on Facebook. Somebody liked it. I don't know. And, and so you're jumping in on these things all the time. And, and all of it, so much of it, if you look at it, is so focused on the here and now. Focused on what I did, what I experienced, what I saw when I went to vacation, etc. And all of that's fine. Except for what that leads to, all of that leads to misplaced expectations. In other words, if I can live a life that people will like, if I can live a life that, a life that, that people will enjoy, that people will appreciate, that creates sort of an image, then that will be good. Good. But your legacy is not left in Instagram photos. It's left in how do I live my life day in and day out so that it points people to Jesus. And no matter what happens in my life, that that's the direction that I'm going. And the problem with all of that is it drives us to obsess in the now and it gives us often misplaced expectations. Some of you, when it comes to your relationship with God, you might have a misplaced expectation about what God does or doesn't do. Some of you were told, you know, you're not going to have any trouble. You're going to come to Christ. Everything's going to be great. And the moment you have trouble, then you think, oh, I'm disappointed in God. And somehow I have a misplaced expectation about what God did or didn't do for me or what he did or didn't do for somebody else. And so contentment is robbed when we compare ourselves and contentment is robbed when we have an expectation that maybe is not fulfilled or is fulfilled in another way. The third thing I see is what's called misunderstanding, and what I mean by that is that they misunderstood Jesus, that Peter misunderstood what was best as well. What matters is not what others have or don't have, but that you follow Jesus. Look at verse 22. Jesus answered when Peter said, Lord, about, about John, Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And Peter then, in that moment, was unsure what that meant, and he had a misunderstanding, and not only did he, but so did all the rest of the people listening. We know that because it says that everyone who was listening thought that meant that John wasn't going to die, and they started to spread that rumor, John's not actually going to die, and they were misunderstanding what Jesus was trying to say. Peter didn't understand what Jesus was calling for. He was putting a claim on Peter's life. He was saying, Peter, 
if you follow me, when you follow me, you will face even the point of death. But I'm telling you, that is going to be the most important thing. It's not all of what you get or don't get, receive or don't receive. What matters most is our relationship with each other, period, period. Peter, don't worry about John. I want you to just simply follow me and value me above all things. Peter missed the point. And I think if we're going to live a life of contentment, we have to get the point that Jesus is making. And that is that if you live a life of contentment, Jesus has to matter to you more than anything else. That's the idea of contentment. That's the idea of stewardship. God, I want to live my life in such a way that I am content no matter what happens, good or bad, because ultimately I'm following you. I have a relationship with you. Paul said again in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, that he has learned the secret of being content whatever the circumstances. He said, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What mattered was not his circumstances, but who he was with. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says something similar where it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In other words, don't worry so much about the stuff because you have God. God's with you. R.C. Sproul one time said, our problem isn't wanting things too much, it's not wanting him enough. True contentment is to say, like Jesus and Peter experienced there on the seashore, it is this. It, it doesn't matter what someone has or doesn't have, what will happen to their life or won't happen to their life, what expectations you might or might not have of Christ. What matters is that you are walking on the shore with the one who resurrected from the dead. That is what matters most. That's contentment. Now, some of you today may say, uh, well, I'm, it's too late for me to create a new legacy. It's too late for me to create a new legacy. Well, friends, it is never too late to, to live your legacy. Some of you are here today and you say, man, Stephen, I, have, I, I, really, I can't leave a legacy because I struggle with sin so much. I'll never be able to leave a legacy because my finances are a mess. Uh, my financial world is, a, world, world is a mess, and I made some bad decisions. I'll never be able to leave a legacy, Stephen, because my marriage is in shambles, or my relationships are not what they're supposed to be. I'll never be able to do it. Listen, it probably is true. You have made some big mistakes, and so have I. And the reality is that you sit here today, and you realize how empty that is and how challenging that is, and, and you may even be stuck today but God is not through with you yet. And you may say, well, I struggle with some addiction or some substance in my life. If that's the case, or you say, I made some terrible decisions, that may be true, but your legacy is not yet complete. Ladies and gentlemen, as long as Jesus Christ is Lord, there is hope, and it means the story is not over. One of the things I love about Peter and Jesus on the shore is that Jesus was saying, Peter, it's not over for you yet. I know you failed big time, but it's okay. I still want to use you. I still want 
to use you. Go feed my sheep. Now, I know that when you follow me, you're going to face even death, but I'm telling you that there's nothing more important than following me, Peter. Maybe some of you guys today are like, yeah, but I'm kind of old, and because of that, I, I really feel like I'm at the end of my legacy. One of our guys in first service who is in his upper years said, why is it every time you talk about being old, you look right at me? I'm like, I don't know, you know. I, I, there's two or three. I try to pick them out. I'm like, hey, I'm talking about you, you know. Um, but let's just say you're 55. How about that? Does it make everybody feel better? Let's say you're 55, and you say, hey, I'm going to retire in 10 years. It's too late for me. Man, what if you made the next 10 years of your life the best 10 years of your life? What if you said, I'm going to make the last part of my life the best part of my life? I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that my life is a story of grace. That even though maybe I blew it the first 55 years, from now on, I'm going to live an incredible story of grace where God gets the credit for my life. That's where you find contentment. You weren't made um, to live a life just for the now. You were live, made to live a life and to leave a legacy. That's what you're made for. And we stop short of that sometimes because we're told by the enemy, you're no good, you've blown it too much, you have too many struggles, you're imperfect. But friends, listen, the destiny of every believer is that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has actually formed you into the image of his son. He planned you before everything was ever made that he would have you right where you are today. And in that moment, that moment of your destiny, you realize that you simply need to do one thing, be a follower of his, stay connected to him. Lift your head, church, and see a broader vision beyond the now, beyond the what's happening in your life today, and say, what do I want my life to be at the end of my life? And I'm going to work backwards, and I want to leave a legacy. And you say, yeah, but listen, I have struggles, and I'm a mess, and I've got brokenness. Well, friends, listen, who doesn't? Welcome to humanity. Everybody's got that. But the goal isn't that you revel in that. It is that you are healed by the one who can change everything. We all need Christ. I need Christ. You need him. And we all need him way more than we think we do. And the way to find contentment is to not seek it in all the stuff of the now, but to find it in who Christ is with you. That you could really do, as the lady said on the video, live your life with streams of living water flowing from you. It's never, ever, ever too late. It's never too late for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, and no matter how old or how young you are, Jesus Christ can help you today change and leave that legacy forever. God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. And I pray that we're encouraged today, God. Pray that we're encouraged to know that you still use us, you still love us, you have a plan for us. God, our, your plan for us is, is directly aligned with who you are. And you want us to be in relationship with you. And you want us, God, to know who you are. And you want us to simply do what Jesus said to Peter. Just follow. Just follow. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't compare. Don't, don't have misplaced expectations. Don't have a misunderstanding here. What matters is that we follow Christ. And even though we're broken, even though we're hurting, even though we struggle, that we follow you. And so, God, we pray for that today. We pray that in that, in that truth, we will find 
the secret of contentment. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship Christ.